unbelievable. You know, here I am walking around thinking everything's great. Meanwhile, you're smuggling in my clothes and hating the way I look. Oh, I don't hate the way you look, okay? But yes, I admit it. You could lose a little weight. But there, come on, I'm sure there are things about me you wish were different that you hold back on. You, no, you're, you're perfect, yes. believe me. Come on, this could be really good for our marriage. I mean, if there are things bothering us about each other, we should just get them out there. You know, it's healthy. I guess. All right, so come on. Hit me, baby. Uh, I guess maybe sometimes you wear a little too much makeup. What do you mean? Just, you know, all that goop over there. Sometimes I think you could just back her down a notch. Okay, this is stinging more than I thought it would. <laughs> so you really think I wear too much makeup? No, just, you know, like if we're going out for burgers, you know, and I throw on a pair of sweatpants and a baseball hat, and you look like you're going to the opera. <laughs> or you're in the opera. Okay, be honest, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever tried to be open and honest with your spouse and it didn't go as planned? Would you be okay? We've all been there. Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning in our last, in our series called The Vow. We're talking about the vow of purity. So turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. It's on probably page 1 or 2 of your Bibles. So if you'll go there or go to your uh, smartphones or devices, whatever you're using for your Bible this morning. As you're getting there this morning, I do want to throw out uh, one thing that we are we're working on we're something we're trying here at Orchard Church. We have a lot of different small groups, and we're looking at starting a group uh, for people who are not yet Christians. They're unbelievers, but yet they have a lot of questions, and they're interested in exploring Christianity. And so this is for people who are not a believer. That might be you. Um, it might be a friend. It might be a spouse, someone you know, a neighbor. Um, if you have someone that you'd say they're not yet a Christian, but they are interested, they're asking a lot of questions, they'd like to have a group, an environment where they can just ask any question about God and the Bible and kind of work through those things on their journey to faith, stop by and see me out in the courtyard after service and let me know about that. And we'll tell you a little bit more about that group that we're putting to, together. Well, today is, like I said, the last of our vow series. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you've missed any of the weeks, you can go online to orchardchurch.tv and you can watch them. They're all on there um, each and every week. We've had a lot of fun in this series. We've, we've laughed a lot. We joked a lot. Laughed, last week was a lot of fun. Um, we had our State of the Church address last Sunday night. And true story, uh, there was a man that came and showed up to the State of the Church address and he brought me, uh, brought me this bag and he had me open it in front of everybody and it was a brand new pair of boxers. And those of you all that were here and watched the message or here to hear the message last week, you know what I'm talking about. I had several ladies this week that uh, Facebooked me, uh, tweeted me on Twitter, and uh, texted me and thanked me. Their house has never been cleaner this week after last week's message. So we've had a lot of fun with a lot of different things. And, but today we are going to close on a very serious tone. Um, this is going to be a very serious message. It's going to be very challenging to all of us. And I want us to begin where we've been beginning 
each and every week. This is where these vows have been born from. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 and 25, uh, this is where God designed marriage and all of our vows are, are being born and coming out of this passage. And it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the, and the verse we're really going to focus on today is verse 25. And they were both... Naked. Yeah, one guy really likes saying that over here. Everybody else was like, can we say naked in church? One guy was like, yeah, naked. Or if you're from the deep south, naked. Something like that, okay? They were both naked, the man and his wife. Now, here's the key. And they were not what, church? They were not ashamed. You see, before sin entered in, in the, in the marriage relationship with Adam and Eve, they were both naked in the garden. They had not sinned. There was complete purity. There was transparency. There was authenticity in the relationship. There, was, there were no secrets. There was total purity and intimacy before sin. If you would agree, say yes. And, and the Bible says here in Genesis, there was no shame. They felt no shame. There was no guilt. There was complete innocence. You know, it's kind of like this. If, if parents have had uh, little children, have you ever, like, when your kids were really little, you know, maybe like two, three years old, and you had some friends over to the house, or maybe your small group's going on, and one of your kids decides to just kind of streak it right through the room? Complete innocence. They're just running around, buck naked. It's happened to us many times. You know, and everybody's laughing, and, oh, it's so innocent. And it's so cute, and they're so unashamed. And, you know, it's, it's fine when they're two or three. Now, if they're doing that when they're teenagers, we got other problems. Hopefully they outgrow that. But, but why? Why is it no big deal? Because there's innocence. There's, there's purity when they're young. So today I want to talk to you about how secrets and shame can separate our relationships. How secrets and shame can separate our relationships, specifically we're talking about marriage and the, and the vow. Because before sin... With Adam and Eve, there were no secrets. They were naked. They were not ashamed. There was no guilt. But some of you know the rest of the story there in your Bible. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, you can read it later. But you know the story where the serpent came to Eve and tempted her with the fruit they were not supposed to eat. She ate of the fruit, and then she gave it to Adam, and he ate of the fruit. And the first sin entered into the world because they disobeyed God because he told them not to eat of that tree. And then look what the result, the aftermath of that disobedience and sin. Look what happened in verse 7, chapter 3 verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them, Adam and Eve, were what? They were opened and they knew they were naked. The innocence and the purity was now gone. Their eyes were opened and they knew and they realized they were naked and, they, and what did they do about it? In their guilt and shame, they began to sew fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. They said, we, we're, we are guilty. We have shame. We've got a secret. We've got to cover this thing up. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, what did they do, church? They hid. Everybody say, they hid. They hid. They hid in their nakedness and their shame and their guilt. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You know, and this is a fairly natural response. I mean, you see this even in kids. You know, whenever somebody does something wrong, they feel ashamed. They feel guilty. They feel like they need to hide. How many of you, again, parents, when you had young children and you were trying to potty train them, and all of a sudden you're looking around and, and they've disappeared. They're, they're, they're not in the room. Where are they? Oh, maybe they went to the potty. You go to the bathroom. They're not in there. They're hiding behind the couch. And you say, hey, what are you doing back there? Nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Why are they hiding? Because they feel guilt. 
They feel ashamed. They're trying to keep a secret. They know what they're doing is, is wrong. And that is exactly what happened with Adam and Eve when they sinned. And look at verse 9, what says, Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Adam's like, we, 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 we feel guilt, we feel shame, and, and so we tried to hide ourselves. I, I was afraid, God, if you knew what I had done, you would not accept me any longer. You wouldn't love me the same. Our relationship wouldn't be the same. I felt guilt and shame, so we felt like we needed to hide from you in our shame. And Adam and Eve tried to put something between them and their relationship with God. They tried to keep a secret. And they feared that they wouldn't be accepted and they had to hide. You know what Satan loves to do with God's children? He loves to get God's children to sin, which is disobey God which leads us to feel very guilty and shameful, which leads to us to separation between us and God and each other. And Satan loves to do that because the last thing he wants is for us to have an intimate relationship with our God. But not only does it affect our relationship with God, but it affects our relationship with each other, especially our spouse if we're married. I call this Satan's shame game that he likes to play to mess with God's children. And here's the progression and what it looks like. And you have it in your notes, and I hope you write this down. Here's how Satan works, the shame game, to, to separate our relationships and get us to hide. First, you experience something deeply painful or sinful. You know, you commit some kind of sin, you disobey God, you know you've messed up, you feel guilty, you, you feel ashamed. Or maybe someone sins against you. Maybe someone did something to you in your past that was very painful, very hurtful. And even though they were the ones that committed the sin, it affected you. And Satan loves to mess with us and make us think, well, maybe I had, had a part in that. Maybe I put myself in the wrong position. And so I feel guilty and I feel ashamed as well. It's either maybe something you did or somebody did to you. You experienced something deeply painful or sinful. And then what happens next? You begin to connect what happened with who you are. You begin to connect that shame and guilt and sin, what happened, to who you are. You, you, you think, well, I did something bad, therefore I must be bad. And you begin to, Satan tries to get you to use that to be your identity. You, you let that define you because you messed up or you did something bad or somebody did something bad to you. You know, we talk with our kids all the time as teenagers. You know, they do something wrong. They say, oh, you think I'm bad. We say, no, you're not bad. You're not a bad kid. You just did something bad. But Satan likes to turn it into, now you're bad. Now you're dirty. Now you're guilty. Now you're sinful. And what are you going to do about it? And it leads to the third thing. This is Satan's shame game, how he messes with us. You begin to believe the only way to be safe is to hide. You begin to believe that the only way to be safe in your relationship with God and others is to hide. Isn't that exactly what Adam and Eve did in the garden? When they sinned, when they messed up, they felt shame, they felt guilt. And what did they do? They started covering themselves up. They looked for a place to hide. They kept a secret. They tried to keep the secret from God because they probably feared God won't accept us anymore in the same way. He won't love us in the same way. And Satan loves to mess with God's children in this way. Satan's shame game. I want to try to help free all of us today from Satan's shame game. And there are two important things or thoughts that I want to share with you that will, I hope will speak to all of us today and begin to set us free. And it's these two thoughts, and you have them in your notes. Key thoughts today. Wherever secrets live, intimacy dies. 
But wherever intimacy lives, secrets die. I'm going to say that again. Wherever secrets live, intimacy dies. But wherever intimacy lives, secrets die. I don't want you to think about it this way. There's a lot of people, when they mess up and they sin or they're sinned against, something happens to them, the reaction naturally, the first thing they think they need to do is the same thing as Adam and Eve. I need to cover this up. I need to hide this. I need to keep this a secret. And we somehow think, Satan gets us convinced that if I hide this and keep this a secret and nobody finds out and nobody knows, that will be better for my relationships than if I'm just honest and open in my relationships. And that is not true. It is not healthy for our relationship with God, our relationship with others, especially our spouse, whenever we try to cover things up and hide things and try to keep a secret because it kills intimacy. Because any relationship that is a good relationship, it has to be built on trust. Do you agree with that? Say yes. It has to have trust. It has to have honesty. Trust and honesty are the gateway and the key to intimacy in a relationship. And so there can't be secrets. But here's the good news. When we're open and honest with our secrets, what has happened to us, what we did, how we feel, our fears, it restores intimacy, trust, and openness in our relationships. Because where intimacy lives, secrets die. Let me ask you this. Are a very, very serious question. Are there secrets that are keeping your marriage from the intimacy God wants you to experience? Is there something that you're trying to keep hidden and trying to cover up? Or are you as open and honest and transparent as you can be for the sake of intimacy? Because wherever secrets live, intimacy dies. But wherever intimacy lives, secrets do what, church? They die. That brings us to our fourth vow today. And I want to acknowledge right here in the beginning of this, this is going to be probably the most difficult of all of these messages and these vows, but it's going to be the most challenging, it's going to be the most sensitive, it's going to probably be pretty quiet in here today, and that's okay, because I know God is working in hearts. But this also can be the most freeing and healing and important message of this entire series. And that's my prayer that this would be freeing and healing to so many today and so many relationships. So let me remind you of the first three vows and then we'll talk about the fourth vow today. Vow number one was this, and you guys can help me, church. I promise that God will be my number one priority and my spouse will be my number two priority. That was vow number one. Vow number two, help me out, church. Come on, work with me. I promise our marriage will be about we and not me. Vow number three, last week, I promise I will always pursue my two. We talked about the vow of pursuit last week. And here's vow number four for today. I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. The vow of purity. Let's say that together, church. I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. Okay, thank you all five of you. It's a vow that we're going to say and embrace together. Let's try that again. Vow number four. I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. You know why? Because where intimacy lives, secrets die. I'm not sharing this challenging thing to you 
um, in a way that I've not experienced. Because I'm going to be very open and honest and vulnerable this morning as well as your pastor. When Shelly and I, we just celebrated 20 years of marriage. <clears throat> and when we were dating, we met, dated, and got married nine months. Am I going to allow my daughter to do that? Absolutely not. But, but it worked for us. <clears throat> and uh, Shelly grew up in a Christian home as I did. And one of the things that I so love about Shelly, one of the things I so respect about my wife, and so many of you that know her, I know feel this way, she has never had a period of her life where she walked away from God. She's never had a time in her life where she kind of had to go out and sow her wild oats. She's, she's I mean, she's not perfect, but she's pretty close. I mean, she's just always loved God. She's always tried to do right. She's always tried to please God. And she's never, ever felt like I missed out on anything. She's stayed faithful to God her whole life. And, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I praise God for that. And she's an incredible example in, in that way. I, I wish I could say the same. I wish I could. I haven't always been a pastor. If y'all know what I mean. Um, I did grow up in a Christian home. I, I was very on fire for God um, when I was a kid, even in my youth group. I turned 16. Um, I turned 16. I got a job. I got a car. I got a girlfriend. I got out of church. And, and then for about five years of my life, I just kind of ran from God. I went off to a secular university instead of a Bible college, which God had called me to when I was younger, but I ran from that. And there was about five years of my life where, you know, I'd never denied God. I knew I was still a believer, but I also knew I was not living for God. I was not walking with God. I was not doing things that were pleasing to God during that time, things that I'm very ashamed of today. But I'm also very grateful that there's a God of second chances of mercy and grace. Amen? And forgiveness. And, and, and I live in the light of that. Amen. I'm thankful for that. But when Shelly and I started dating and it got very serious and, and I realized I wanted to ask her to be my wife, I remember it like it was yesterday. We were at her house and I said, can we go for a walk? And we took a walk around her neighborhood and I revealed some things that I had done in my past that I was not proud of, but I felt I owed her to know those things before she said yes to marry me. I felt like I needed to be open and transparent and honest, and I shared those things, and praise God, she forgave me and showed mercy and loved me and accepted me and knew my life was different and was changed. But I think that was a huge key to our marriage starting off on the right foot. I really do. I think it's one of the keys to why we've been married for 20 years and we've got the relationship we have because our marriage began with openness and honesty and transparency so that there could be intimacy. That's my story. What's yours? Let me ask you a serious question that could determine the future of your marriage or your future marriage. If you're single today, this is messages for everybody today. When it comes to intimacy and trust and honesty, this is so key, this question I'm going to ask. What are you hiding? What are you hiding? Maybe it's something with your finances. You know, maybe you're, you're, you're spending in ways that if your spouse knew, then it, it could cause problems. Maybe, you know, it's, it's, it's something you've been hiding. Maybe you've got a separate account they don't know about. Maybe it's something with your job. Maybe you go, you know, my, my job, I'm about to lose my job. I may get laid off. I don't really want to share it with my spouse because I don't want them to be scared. But yet you need to be open and honest. Maybe it's your health. You know, I, I've known people that they hide their health problems until it's too late. 
You know, maybe you're having trouble breathing. Maybe there's a lump somewhere. There, there's something, and, and you're trying to keep that a secret. You're trying to hide that. Maybe it's a feeling. Maybe you have a feeling of insecurity or inadequacy, maybe as a wife or as a mother or as a father. You know, are you trying to hide that? Maybe it's some past sin that you did that you just need to be open and honest about. Maybe it's a current sin you're doing. Maybe it's an addiction that you've been hiding for many, many years that you need to be open and honest with so you can get help and you can get healing in that way. Maybe it's a Facebook relationship. How many times have we heard nowadays about people reuniting with somebody in high school? They don't tell their spouse about it, and before you know it, it's getting out of control. Maybe someone did something to you that you've been carrying all these years as a burden and a chain, and it's affecting your relationships, and if you're married, your marriage more than you may realize. What, what are you hiding? What are you hiding? Because where secrets live, intimacy dies. And when Adam and Eve were, were naked and transparent and vulnerable, there was no shame. But when they sinned and they tried to hide, there was guilt, there was shame, and there was a wall between them and their God and even each other. What's our vow today? I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. Now listen, <laughs> I've been somewhat dreading this message all week because this is tough. This is really tough stuff. It can be really scary to think about being that open and honest and vulnerable in our relationships. So how do we break past the fear of what's going to happen if we, if we stop hiding and if we're open and honest and transparent? If we reveal our secrets, we may be keeping from our spouse. Well, Ephesians chapter 5 has some help for us because this isn't easy. Go to Ephesians chapter 5 in your Bibles or your... Or your uh, Mobile devices, it's on page 473. If you're using one of the Bibles, you may have picked up when you came in. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, I think will help us. Because this is scary to reveal secrets and to be vulnerable. But, but this is what believers in Jesus Christ do. R remember how we started this study? We read all these horrible statistics about marriage and we said the way the world is trying to do this is not working. And we, if we want to be on the better side of those statistics, if we want a marriage that honors God and that stays together, we've got to be willing to do something different. And as I read my Bible, what I find is that Christians do things different than the way the world does them. If you agree, say yes. And this is one of these things that we're talking about doing different. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 says this. For you were once darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. This is talking about before we accepted Christ, we were in the darkness of our sin. But praise God, when we gave our life to Christ in faith, He forgave us of our sins. We are no longer in darkness, but we are now in the light. Can I have a praise God for that? That's, that's what happened when we got saved. And, and so Paul says, because you came out of darkness, and now you're in the light, walk as children of the light. Live as children of the light. For the fruit or the evidence of the Spirit, those that walk in the light, is in all goodness, righteousness, and pay attention to this next one, truth. It's in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. You know, you know what the opposite of truth is? It's a lie. It's trying to keep a secret. Let me ask you this. What is better for your marriage? To walk in the light that will experience goodness, righteousness, and truth? 
or try to hide and stay in the darkness where you experience badness, unrighteousness, and lies? I think we all know the answer to that, don't we? It's to walk in the light, to stay out of the darkness that we've already been saved out of. Now, here's how this works. Um, you know how it works. If you go into a very dark room, kind of like some of y'all when you come a little bit late to the service and we got the lights down, <laughs> happened to you this morning, and you came in and it's really bright outside and you walk in here and at first you're like, oh, I can't find a seat, you know. It's so dark, you, you can't see and you're, you're, you're stumbling around. But if you're, if you're there long enough, what happens? Your eyes begin to adjust. They begin to adjust to the darkness. You, you begin to be more accustomed to it. You're more used to it. And you know what is sad? Is sometimes people are in the dark so long, they begin to adjust to it. They begin to become accustomed to it. And they begin to think that it's okay and it's normal to, to live in the dark, to hide and keep secrets. And it's not normal. And it's not healthy for your relationships, especially your marriage. So what do you do if you've been hiding in the darkness of secrets? Verse 11. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather, what's the next word? Expose them. Bring them out. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. You see, those that lack faith like to stay in the dark and keep secrets. But not those that are children of the light, that want to walk in the light, that want to experience goodness, righteousness, and truth. They're willing to expose, to make it right. Verse 13, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. We have a choice this morning. We can remain afraid, like Adam and Eve were, and fearful, in the dark, hiding, building coverings and secrets, or we can expose what we've been hiding and bring it into the light. we got a choice. Do we want to stay in darkness and experience the things of the darkness, or do we want to walk in the light and experience the goodness, righteousness, and truth, and openness and honesty, integrity, and purity of the light. Is it risky? Yes. Yes. It's very risky. But if you want your marriage or your future marriage to be built on trust, integrity, truth, righteousness, goodness, and intimacy, it's a risk worth taking. It's a risk worth taking. To walk as children of the light. Now, for those of you this morning that the Spirit of God has your heart pounding out of your chest right now, you're ready to live and walk as children of light for the sake of your relationship with God, your relationship with others, and you say, it's time. How do I expose it? What do I do? What are my steps? I'm scared to death, but I know it's something I need to do. What do I do? There's a great verse that gives us a step-by-step how to walk out of darkness into light in our relationships. It's found in James chapter 5, verse 16. We'll put it on the screen. And James 5, 16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? I love this. Healed. This could be a healing day for some of you in your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with others. What are we to do when we have a secret? We have something that we, we're trying to hide. We're to confess it. 
Confess your sins. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Let me break it down for you very simply. Here's the steps. Number one, confess your secret. Just like I did with my wife. Confess your secret. You say, well, who do I confess to? Do I confess to you, pastor, like you're some priest or something? Absolutely not. I I can't forgive any of you. Number one, you go to the one who can forgive your sin, and that is God. 1 John 1, 9 is still true, and I cling to this verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of, say it, church, all unrighteousness. Boy, I'm thankful for that verse this morning. You first confess it to God. Make it right with God. Some of you all have been hiding something from God. Like he doesn't know? (laughs) Like he couldn't find Adam and Eve? Boy, they're really good at this game, hide and seek. Where are they? You can't hide from God. He already knows. And all he's looking for you to do is to come out and accept his love, his grace, his mercy, and forgiveness. And it is so freeing and so cleansing. First, you confess your secret to God. And then number two, you confess your secret, if you're married, to your spouse. The one that you're supposed to be one with. You're one flesh. You, you, you confess that secret. Now, if you're here as a single person, you say, well, who do I confess it to? First of all, you confess it to God. And then you confess it to another believer that you trust that will help hold you accountable, that will pray for you. Don't confess it to somebody that's going to judge you. We're not looking for judgment. We're looking for help. We're looking for prayer and encouragement. So it might be if you're being discipled, maybe it's your discipler. Maybe it's someone that you look up to in your small group. You know, somebody. But you, you, And the reason you're confessing it to them is so you can get help and you can get prayer, you can get encouragement, you can get accountability. Maybe it's a secret sin. Maybe it's something you did in your past that you need to come clean with. Maybe it's something that's going on in your present. Maybe you were sinned against. Maybe it's a fear. Maybe it's a feeling. Maybe it's a painful event. Whatever it is, you're willing to confess your secret because you desire what God desires, which is intimacy. With no walls, but with trust. And you refuse to live in the darkness anymore. Now, I realize some of you that take this challenge and you do this, you, you're open and you confess some secret to your spouse or, or, or to another believer if, if you're not married. It's going to be a tough week. It might be a tough month. It might be a tough year. But it's the beginning to healing. It's the beginning to healing. And it can be the most freeing thing you've ever done. And, and I, listen, because I acknowledge how difficult this is, Number two is very important, and that is this. Not only should you confess your secret, but number two, receive any confessions with grace. So if anyone confesses to you, you receive it with grace and mercy and forgiveness. It might be you're receiving it from your spouse. It might be, parents, that you're receiving it from some of your teenagers. There's some teenagers in here right now, some kids. You need to be open and honest with your parents about some things. my wife and I have told our kids, our teenagers, over and over and over and over, listen, it doesn't matter what you do or you've done, just don't lie to us. Just be open, be honest. And there have been some things our kids have shared with us that are very difficult, but it's a beautiful time of love and forgiveness and grace and accountability. We're there to help them. We don't want to find out, you know, from somebody else. 
So you receive any confessions with, with grace. Now, whether you receive it from your spouse or you receive it from your kid or you receive it from another believer that's looking for help and encouragement. Now, here's the deal, especially if it's from your spouse. Because for many of you, you may receive something from somebody you, you love and you care for very deeply. Your, your temptation, your flesh is going to want to get really ticked. You're going to want to get really mad. You're going to want to get really angry. And let, this will help you. When you receive that confession, just remember how much God has extended His grace and His mercy and His love and His forgiveness to you. And if we would all be honest, that is huge for all of us. So you extend to them the same grace that has been extended to you. And think about it this way. If your spouse or your teenager or your friend confesses something to you, it's so much better then what is going to happen if they, it's just found out and revealed by somebody else? It's so much better than if they get caught. And the truth is, sooner or later, they probably will get caught. It's so much better if they're sharing this and being open and honest because it shows that they're trying to make this right. They're trying to work it out. They're trying to begin healing. They're looking for grace and forgiveness and, and they're looking for intimacy and they want to move forward. You see, when, when somebody gets convicted and they, they're open and honest with something, a secret, and they share it in this way, you know, they, they, they choose to, that's a sign of repentance. And we can work with repentance, amen? We can work with somebody that wants to change and wants to do something different. But here's what happens. Many times when someone is just found out or they're caught, it's not a sign of repentance, it's remorse. And there's a big difference. It's, I'm sorry I got caught. And it's pretty ugly. So... Think of that if this person, if your spouse, if someone confesses something to you, it's so much better than if they're just caught. It's a sign, even as painful as it is, when there's a confession, it's a sign of repentance, and that's a good thing. Because wherever secrets live, intimacy dies. And wherever intimacy lives, secrets die. So number one, confess your secret, James says. Number two, receive any confessions with grace. Number three, what does James say? Confess your sins to each other and... Pray for each other. Pray together. Pray together. Pray together. Pray for God's help. Pray for God's healing. Allow God to be in the middle of whatever is going on and whatever is shared. If, if your spouse shares it, pray with your spouse. If your kids share it, pray with your kids. If your friend shares it, pray with your friends. Because they're looking for help. They're looking for prayer. They're looking for encouragement. They're looking for healing. And that's what we we want, and it's what God desires. So number one, James says, if you've got a secret, confess it. If you receive a secret, receive it with grace. Number three, pray for each other. Number four, commit to the healing journey together. Commit to the healing journey together. What did, what did uh, James say? Pray for each other so that you may be healed. And notice I said, commit to the healing journey. Those words were chosen specifically. It is going to probably be a journey. Now listen, for some of you, I've seen this happen in relationships. Someone may, your spouse may confess something to you and God does something miraculous and it can bring almost immediate and instant healing. And it can be an incredible, beautiful thing. But for others of you, it's going to take a while. It's like any wound. They take time. It takes time to heal. There'll be some ups, there'll be some downs. There'll be some good days, there'll be some bad days. It will be a journey of healing. Commit to the healing journey 
together. Commit to that together to let God work in your lives. Some of you, somebody may share something. You, you may need counseling. We have counseling available. We have a care pastor here who, who can and begin some counseling. If we feel like you need further counseling, we, can, we, we work with a counseling ministry, Christian ministry here in, in Denver. They've got about 40 different counselors. We can get you connected to them. For some of you, maybe you need to get in Celebrate Recovery. We are so excited. This Tuesday night, finally, here at Orchard Church, we're starting Celebrate Recovery. If you ever heard of that ministry, it's an incredible ministry for the church. We're super excited about it. I think we have over 20 people already signed up for Celebrate Recovery. It's going to meet on Tuesday nights, 6.30 to 8.30 at our ministry center. The address is there in your newsletter. If you're here today and you go, you know what, I need in that. I need to go to Celebrate Recovery. It's for hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Some of you may share this secret and you realize, I need, I now I've got this thing out, I've been hiding, now I need some help and some accountability. Celebrate Recovery would be perfect for you. I probably just doubled the size of the class. But that's good. That means people are getting help. People are getting healing. Maybe you just need your discipler. To, if you're being discipled, maybe it's your disciple that can help you and counsel you and, and those things. Maybe just getting in a small group and having other people around you, that'll be help. W- whatever you need to do, get the help that you need, and we're here to help you. But together, especially those that are married, together you're saying, we're going to make it through this together no matter what. Satan is not going to defeat us any longer. It, we're not going to let it happen. In conclusion, if you're here today and you're single... And you've got a secret. You've got something you've been hiding. Confess it to a trusted friend, a discipler. Get help. And this is great for the future of your marriage. For those of you that are single and you're wanting to be married, maybe you're dating somebody right now. Maybe you're engaged to somebody right now. Listen, like I did, you can set a foundation of openness and honesty and trust and purity by being open and honest for you single people. If you're married, you go to your spouse and you say, listen, I hope this doesn't hurt I know it might, but I want intimacy in our marriage. I want what God wants. I want openness. I want trust. I want intimacy. No more secrets. No more secrets. Here's what I did. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I feel. Here's what happened to me. You just bring it, and then you trust God for the healing to begin. Now, here's the key. For married couples, here's the key. It says that Adam and Eve, they were both naked and felt no shame that means both have to be open and honest and come clean not just one person both people for you to experience the intimacy that God wants and my prayer for all of us is this as difficult and challenging and risky and sensitive and hard as this is I believe without a a doubt some of you some of us are going to look back and go that was a turning point in my life. That was a turning point in my relationship with God. It was a turning point in my relationship with my spouse. It was a turning point in my relationship with my parents. It was a turning point where it was tough, it was difficult, but God did a miracle and will point back to what we're talking about today. I believe that with all my heart. And that's my prayer. Because we need to remember where secrets live, intimacy dies. But where intimacy lives, Secrets die. You have a choice today. You can leave here and continue to hide, or you can begin to heal. Which one do you want? Hiding in darkness or healing in the light? Now, now for some of you, you go, you, you've been doing this. 
You've been open. You've been honest. You've been transparent. I wish I had time to bring some of you up here and you could say, yes, tell them, Pastor, because I did that and it was so healing in my marriage. If any of you know what I'm talking about, say yes. Yeah. And praise God for those of you that have done that. Praise God for those of you who are doing that, that you've known if our marriage is going to have the intimacy that God wants, if it's going to be pure like God wants, we don't want to keep secrets from each other. We want to be open. We want to be honest. We want to be transparent. And if you've been experiencing that in your marriage and relationships, then praise God for that. I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. That's our vow and our challenge today. Would you bow your heads?